Hello, Kirkwood. Welcome to our March episode of the KPL podcast. So, Ryan, did you know that we have some amazing things happening in this podcast? I did. We have got two giant interviews for you that I'm so excited. For starters, we're joined by our new library director, Krista Van Herway. She's dropping by to talk about herself, and I can't wait to. Also, super exciting, we're being joined by Gabby Rivera, uh, author of Juliet Takes a Breath and one of my favorite all-time runs for Marvel Comics. So I am excited putting it mildly. Yes, he is. He's practically shaking here in his seat. <laughs> but we also have amazing programming for March. We have book clubs. And we have our services. We have something new that Ryan's going to talk about a little later on. Indeed. We have our review. It's Women's History Month. And Jagish and I are going to be talking about our little movie club from Canopy. We're watching the I Am Big Bird documentary. Let's just get to it because we're running out of time. All right, Kirkwood, here is all of our amazing programs for the month of March. On Tuesday, March 10th at 7 p.m., please join us for the next Community Conversations, Immigration 101. Join Andrew Fitzgerald of the Missouri Immigrant and Refugee Advocates, Mira, for his presentation on immigration. Uh, he will be speaking on the importance of immigration to our community and dispelling myths, followed by a question and answer discussion. So let's learn about this very important issue together. And then coming up Saturday, March 14th at 2 p.m., Climate Change and Your Health. This climate reality presentation looks at how the rapidly changing climate is affecting health and health care. Allergists are busier than ever, and asthma is affecting more people, especially children. This presentation encourages personal lifestyle changes that can lower your carbon footprint and provide knowledge to make important decisions for yourself on behalf of future generations. On Sunday, March 15th at 2 p.m., join us for Discovering Your Family History. Join Elizabeth Terry, author of Oysters to Angus, Three Generations of the St. Louis Faust Family, as she discusses how she used genealogy to learn about the Fausts. The author will connect the Faust family with your family history, explaining the work she did to create the book is just the same as what they can do to find your own family history. Books will be available for sale and signing. I think this should be a lot of fun, especially if you want to learn a little bit more about your family history and how to go about researching that. Well, genealogy is huge and very fascinating. Absolutely. Coming up Thursday, March 26th at 2 p.m. is the Tech Savvy series, iPad and iPhone Basics. This is going to happen in the computer lab. So this is a great program for tech beginners who want to learn more about their iPhone or iPad. Learn five new things about your iPhone or iPad that you may not know. This is not an Android program, unfortunately. It's very centered towards the iPad or the Apple product, and registration is required. On Tuesday, March 31st at 7 p.m. is the City Council Candidate Forum. Now, this is held in the Robinson Elementary School cafeteria at 803 Couch Avenue. The Candidate Forum is moderated by the League of Women Voters in partnership with Keep Kirkwood Green and the Kirkwood School District. And that's your March programs. So, Ryan, I need a good book club suggestion. You got any? I do, Jagisha. I've got some. Your Kirkwood Public Library has, in fact, six. You could join us for Mystery Readers. 
like science fiction or fantasy, then come to the book club at the end of the universe. Books on Tap is another fantastic choice. Now, this is held at 612 Kitchen and Cocktails at 612 West Woodvine Avenue. Like some coffee with your book? Well, then join us for the Saturday Morning Perks Club. The Reader's Circle Book Discussion is another choice, as well as Community for Understanding and Hope Book Group. If you want to know times and titles being read, drop on by the KirkwoodPublicLibrary.org website, and you'll find it under Calendar of Events. Those are a lot to choose from, so depending on your reading taste, you've got a lot of options. If you're interested in learning about languages, then Ryan is going to tell you about our new service, Mango. Indeed I will. Mango is an award-winning language learning resource for individuals and organizations around the world. The only single solution that combines quality content, intelligent technology, and an adaptive algorithm that delivers practical phrases from real situations. This is language learning centered around you, and you now have access to it with your Kirkwood Public Library card. Just go by our website, kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org. You'll find it under databases, as well as a link right on our homepage right now. I know, I'm so excited because they have Chinese on there. So I'm going to try to learn Chinese. I was looking at it last night, and I believe they have over 70 different languages. So that's pretty exciting. It is. We can all just, ooh, you know what? We should start a language club at the library. You know, that sounds interesting because I've always liked to learn a different language. I had many years of Spanish. And I'm afraid most of it's gone now. We could start a Spanish club and come in and talk in Spanish and work on the language or start a French club or something. Or something like that, yeah. The possibilities are limitless. Kirkwood, undoubtedly you are aware that the library, excitingly this year, has a brand new director. And we're pleased as punch that she's joining us today. So thank you, Krista Van Herway, for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. So, well, you come to us from University City Library. Mm -hmm. So you want to just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and how you made your way through. Um, I think the important thing to know for library listeners is that I used to do a lot of other things. And about, I don't know, 15 years ago, I thought, I'm sick of doing these things, so I need a new profession. So I started in library school and I thought, well, I'll take one class and see if I like it. And I took that class and I really liked it. So I took another class and I really liked it. And by the end of that, I was pretty sure that that was going to be my next move. So I graduated from library school. Prior to that, I was thinking, you know, I had to do a practicum. That's part of the library science uh, degree. The University City Public Library was the closest library to my house. So thinking really hard about it, I thought I will ask them if I can do a practicum there. And in the end, they had a job on the um, the front desk, the circulation desk, and I ended up getting that job instead. So I ended up doing my practicum at the community college, the Florissant Valley campus of the community college. And right when I actually finished my degree, someone that was working at University City moved on to another job, and I ended up staying there and becoming a librarian there. So that was a total accident, and it was the best accident that ever happened because it was great. Um, It didn't take me long to realize that becoming a librarian was the right thing for me. So I worked there for 12 years, and then, um, as you guys know, an opportunity opened up here, and I was excited and applied for it, and the rest is history. Very nice. 
just out of curiosity, since I'm not familiar with it, what's a practicum exactly? So uh, for the program that I went through, University of Missouri, um, Columbia, you're required to do a practicum, which is basically you pay money to get credit to work for free for someone else, but you do it in a <laughs> library setting. You know, it's sort of like, I mean, a medical doctor does a residency, which of course they get paid some money for, but it's the same concept where they're trying to get you out there to see on a day-to-day -day basis, are you understanding what you're doing? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of just a, a, a work opportunity. That was interesting for me because I had worked full time prior to that um, at, at, at other jobs, but I'd never actually worked in a library. So as you know, you can be in classes and you're like, hey, this is really exciting and I think I could really get into it. But that's not the same as actually doing the work or mm -hmm. actually sitting in an environment that you would be working in. Uh, so to me, it turned out to be a really valuable opportunity and I think really great. If somebody had been working in libraries a lot, maybe it wouldn't have been as an important part of the program. But for me, it was very important. And my practicum experience at the community college, the person who was supervising me was just stellar, just a wonderful librarian and spent a lot of time with me and talked about you know, the philosophy behind how they did things. And it was very, very valuable. Plus, I got to meet a whole bunch of other librarians. So that was fun, too. And we might be biased, but we like them. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is uh, interesting for anything that I've ever done in my past. Um, uh, you know, I was an IT person and I did some other things. Um, you know, you can always find people that you really like and, and you have fun with and you can talk to about things. But after I became a librarian, it's like, uh, it's almost impossible to not find somebody that you really like <laughs> and that you have things in common with because we have a lot of similarities. Obviously, you don't really work in libraries, you know, to become a rich person. You have to have a, a, a sense of wanting to serve people. And, you know, tons of us, of course, really like books. That's what gets a lot of people into libraries. Uh, so you have a lot of people you can talk to about their newest book and their favorite book. What are you reading now? That sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, what I found is you can't probably find a lot of people who are great at sports trivia in libraries. But <laughs> the rest of it, Actually, you know. Actually, you never know. No, I know. And that that is a horrible stereotype that I'm not trying to perpetuate. But it is funny when you go to a trivia night and you're on a table with a bunch of librarians and it's like, oh, the sports questions. We're not going to do great at that. But To be fair, I'm in that boat. So. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, when they have the literary questions, you know, then you just nail it. So. Actually, so, I think we should put you on. So we have a trivia night coming up in April. I heard about yeah. that this morning yes <laughs> and uh be warned there is a sports round uh would you be so kind to share the some of the duties that a library director does sure well you guys are getting me early on so maybe you know in another few months i'll have a whole different list but <laughs> <laughs> no i think the the library director obviously is the person that sort of sets the tone in the library hopefully and uh makes sure that the library um, stays with the core values of librarianship. For example, you know, we are information professionals. We provide information. We provide accurate information. That's something that's a very core uh, librarian, I guess, value. So that's something that, you know, you make sure that um, your, your library is doing that. Uh, another thing, especially for public libraries, as you know, is just we provide access. We don't care who you are. You come in, you get service, you get... Um, the same access that anybody else, you know, there's, there's no economic uh, requirement. Um, basically, we just want you to follow our very simple, basic rules and you have the same access as anybody else who walks in. So that's a, another thing that we want to continue to provide. 
The other thing is we're very big on privacy and confidentiality. You know, you can give us your email address and we'll send you information about books you have on hold or something, but we're never going to sell your email address. We're never going to put you on something else. So, um, you know, the idea that whatever you do here in the library is private and it will not be shared with others. We will not share what you've checked out. We will not share anything about the activities that you participate in. And I think that sometimes gets lost in the era of social media now. People don't really think about how important privacy is. Um, and that's fine. Everybody has their own standard for that and they can put anything they want on their Instagram or Facebook. But, you know, the library is certainly not going to put something about you on, on their our Facebook. We're not going to reveal anything about you. We're very value uh, centered around keeping what you do in the library private. So, you know, I was going to say, I like that. Also, the, the first value that you were mentioning it reminds me of, a, and I'm sure I'm getting this wrong now, a Neil Gaiman quote, who mm -hmm. I think he said, um, <laughs> Oh, uh, Google can give you uh, the answer to t or 10,000 different answers, but a librarian can give you the correct one. The correct answer. Yes. And I mean, of course, we're fallible and we do make mistakes, but the training that you get and the um, the concept behind it is we're going to always find a couple of answers that match. You know, we're not going to just look at the first thing. We're going to evaluate the source where it comes from. I mean, a lot of times, obviously, now people are looking online and getting things off the Internet and anybody can publish anything they want on the Internet. And that's, you know, part of what's great about the Internet. But that's part of also what's terrifying is because other people read that and think that that's the truth. Um, you know, we're going to dig deeper and we're going to try to get to the actual truth of it. Now, whether you accept that truth or you want to do with that information what you want, we're still going to provide that to you. You know, there are facts and there are facts that can be proven and then you know that's what we're going to give to you it's not us to judge what you do with that facts and uh, those facts or how you use it but that's what we're trying to provide here and that's something that's very important in the entire librarianship uh values and concept um, another thing that of course i love is the concept of freedom to read never in a million years did you ever apologize for what you read and you have the right to read whatever you're interested in you know, this is what we're here for. We're going to try to provide as many options for you and as, you know, wide variety of things. And there's something out there that you're going to enjoy. Mm -hmm. So well said. Mm -hmm. Would you share with us one of your favorite library stories? Maybe a mem uh, memory or two? Yeah. Um, I have a lot of really good library stories, I think. I think anybody who works in the library for more than about three weeks probably starts having their <laughs> favorite stories. But I think... For me, one of the most important things and kind of going back to the beginning of my career in librarianship is um, starting at University City Public Library um, and also, frankly, during my practicum at the community college where it didn't take me very long to just feel like I'm in the right place. You know, for once, I really am happy with what I'm doing. I love the fact that we're providing a service for people who come in and ask for help or even request a book, whatever they want. They get that service and they're happy. I mean, there's there's so ups, much upside to librarianship and working in a library and helping people. And there's so little downside. And I just remember feeling after a very short period of time, like this is where I belong. And it was a very 
great feeling and it's something I didn't have necessarily in some of the other jobs. I mean, I've had great jobs and I have nothing bad to say about any of them, but I felt like this is my place. This is where I belong. And that was a really wonderful feeling. And I think that is what a lot of people can depend on when they come to the library. Um, they can come in, they can find a book that they like, they can find a service, they can find a program. I mean, I'm always amazed by hearing new and great things we're doing with kids and teens and um, even adults. It's not all about reading, but I value the reading very much, but you can find your place here in the library. Uh, I have heard an unverified rumor about you that you are a pinball enthusiast. I am. Yes, I am a pinball enthusiast. I have a brother who um, got me very involved with that by also like having somebody at his job who was into pinball. And then the next thing, my brother bought a pinball machine for his house. <laughs> and so my next uh, goal after I found that out was to get to his house and to get the high score on his machine, <laughs> which... <laughs> Which I did, it took some time and effort, and then, um, yeah, basically moving on from there, now we uh, we play pinball on a regular basis. Um, and my nephew, who uh, still lives with my brother, is also very involved with that, and the uh, the community of pinball enthusiasts in my family is just growing, so. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm learning how how big of a community that is in St. Louis, just Me by too. Uh, fellow co-workers who right. are who are in leagues and uh i love pinball but i'm i am not good at it uh but i enjoy <laughs> playing it uh nonetheless and uh, i have some fond memories of childhood you know let me assure you i'm not very good at it either but <laughs> it is uh fun for me when i was a kid pinball was uh, something we did a lot when we were on vacation uh because my dad worked for an airline so we would take wonderful vacations but part of that is you get to the airport fairly early and you get yourself on a list to go someplace and uh back in the day i'm not going to state my age here because that would be uh, embarrassing for all but um every airport had um an arcade in it mm -hmm. so we'd get there early and if there were you know i have two brothers so there were three of us ah, you know being obnoxious to my parents and they would just you know like hand you the quarters and say go you know uh come back and then um so we played a lot of pinball and as video games started coming out and becoming very popular my younger brother got into the video game thing pretty heavily and my older brother and i just really preferred the pinball always just the whole you know real physicality of it as opposed mm -hmm. to something on the screen or whatever so we always really liked that and then you know i went through the fallow period of not playing pinball very often and then as i say my older brother got me back into it and now I've been doing it pretty hot and heavy now for just about six months. But it's uh, you can certainly improve if you practice, just like any sport. <laughs> it's so fun. So are there plans to buy a pinball machine for your house? There is a lot of peer pressure going on right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think my husband's all that excited about the concept. And um, so we'll see how that goes. I do like going out and it's, it's a fun social thing and you mm -hmm. can meet other people and obviously play, you know, together on the same game and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, there's a pinball machine that I used to play a lot when I was in um, college and there are several people looking for one of those for me right now, which is funny because I haven't played that machine for a long time. So even if they found one, I'm not really sure I'd be ready to buy, but 
you know, there's, you know, maybe we could have a nice pinball machine or two in the library here. You know, we could turn the sound off and it would work out great. Okay, I was going to well, say. Well, I wouldn't sound... complain. You, you guys missed the looks on their faces while I said that. That was really quite funny. That was that was worth it there. So we love to ask this question of all of our guests. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as you're a librarian, you must love to read. Would you please share with us your favorite book or a book that's oh. had the best impact to your life? Or Yeah, I, I was I had a lot of fear that you were going to ask that question because I have, you know, so many books that I've enjoyed. And then, you know, I always like to think that, you know, the book I'm reading right now could be my favorite. You know, I'm not even sure. <laughs> by what metric does one judge this? Yeah. Uh, but we'll then, by all means, share the book you're reading currently. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that. And yes, the, how do you measure it? I mean, for me, if I'm reading a book and I don't want to put it down, it's so good. I really want to keep reading it. But at the same time, I'm thinking, I don't want to finish this book yeah. because I want it to continue on. That is always a good sign. If you have that where you um, are sort of conflicted, I want to finish it, I don't want to finish it. Or if you have a book that you did finish, and sometimes even when you finish it, it's not really, you know, giving you that gut punch or something. But maybe a couple of weeks later, you're still thinking about that book. That is obviously a good sign that it's a good book. I'm also kind of addicted to any author, and Kate Atkinson is the perfect example of this for me, is you read one of her sentences and it's like, you know, anybody else's sentence. It has 10 or 15 words in it. It's very, seems very common, but somehow that sentence gives you a real insight about the character. Or it really tells you something about the story. And I don't know, she is one of those people that's just got a magical way of putting these words together. And they're all common words. I mean, it's not, you know, anything, mm -hmm. but how does she do it where I've read this sentence about this character and I feel like, oh my gosh, I really get to know that character. Mm -hmm. I could recognize that character. Um, I She is one that's great with that. And I'm sure there's a million other, I can't think of uh, a bunch of authors, but Kate Atkinson is always great for that. I feel like in the end, I actually know the character in the book. Um, I also do read a lot of nonfiction, and um, I also listen to audiobooks, so that adds a whole nother layer. You know, sometimes you can listen to an audiobook where the reader is fantastic, and you realize at the end, you know, if I'd read that book, I probably wouldn't have liked the book that much, but the reader really brought me in and made it important to me. Or alternately, a book that you would have read and really enjoyed, but the reader on the audiobook's not that great. It can kind of turn you off, so... Uh, when I do an audiobook, I always like to read a couple chapters just to see, you know, which is the best way to consume this book. And there was a book last year um, that I still can't really believe. I, I loved it both in the print and the audiobook. And it was a graphic memoir by Mira Jacob. Is it Mira Jacob or Jacobs? Um, Good Talk. I think it's Mira Jacob. And it was a graphic memoir, and I read the book, and I thought, this is just brilliant. And she's talking about, um, you know, a little bit of her childhood and, and the memoir act, action, but she is now an adult, and she's had a child, and, you know, her child is growing up in an era um, as she is a, a minority that, you know, she's worried about him being discriminated against and stuff like that. So enough heavy topics, mm -hmm. but also with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, and it was funny and she did a lot of drawings, and some of the drawings are on um, on photographs, which makes it really have a great sense of place 
she uh, grew up in, I think, New Mexico, but she was living in New York City. So, I mean, I just hung on every word of that. And then somebody said, oh, you know, that's an audiobook too. And I thought, well, how can that possibly work? This is a graphic. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I listened to the audiobook and it was just brilliant. It was absolutely amazing. And you could hear a lot of sounds in the background, like they had the city sounds and things like that. And mm -hmm. they had a full cast who played different characters. So like even her son, who I think at the time is like five or six years old, they had like a five or six year old read his parts. And I hung on every word of that audiobook. So how can those two books, you know, it's the same book, but how can those two formats both be so exceptional? And yet it was. So that was one of the things last year that I learned is a graphic novel can be a great audiobook. Who would have thought that? Mm -hmm. I never really listened to anything like that before that struck me or, you know, something that had a drawing in it. It's like, oh, well, the drawing really added something, you know. But this this was an amazing thing. And of course, you know, that was one of my favorite books of the last year. Um, that was a memoir. I also read a book last year that kind of floored me in a different way. Uh, Eager, The Secret Life of Beavers. Uh, another book that someone had recommended to me. And I thought, you know, I love animals and this looks interesting. Uh, ben Goldfarb is a journalist who spent a couple of years studying the environmental impacts of beavers, creating a dam and changing the environment around them. Uh, he went to different countries and studied beavers there. So he didn't know anything really about it to start with. I mean, he's an environmental journalist, but you could tell by the book that he was so intrigued about the wonderful environmental impact of beavers and how much they do for the environment. He became such a fan. So you're sort of reading his excitement about learning about this topic. And of course, I didn't really know anything about beavers before, except, you know, I knew they were hunted extensively in the United States in the 1800s and beaver fur hats were very important and stuff like that. So he gives you a little bit of history. He gives you places where they're coming back and just some absolutely wonderful stories about the impacts they're having and how farmers used to really dislike beavers and try to run them off their properties. But now they're seeing how they mitigate floods and they also mitigate drought. They have a positive impact on things that grow around the dams that they create and the water shed and all that. It was one of those things where I had no idea I'd find this interesting and I just could not put that book down. It was so much fun to read. Yeah, so much fun to read. Very nice. So that's an am amazing list of books there. <laughs> yeah. We've got much to read now. Yes, I've got more. You know? <laughs> no, when I started in librarianship, I thought um, I couldn't really believe that anybody would come into the library and say, hey, what book should I read next? And then I took a, a class about reader's advisory. And I thought, this is really what I can see myself doing. And I think I worked at the library for like two days before somebody come in and said, hey, you got any recommendations? What should I read next? And I was like, oh, this is so amazing. You know, it's like, what do you like? What are you know, what are you interested in? And it's mm -hmm. so much fun to be able to give something to somebody, especially, you know, if they come back and enjoy it, but also letting them know, hey, if you don't like it, you know, don't finish it. This is, you know, just try it and see if this is for you. It might not be for you, but you want to give them something that's for them. Definitely, definitely. I love opening doors to, mm -hmm. if you like this, then try that you right. know, kind of thing. So, Krista, thank you so much for coming in and letting us get to know you a little bit better. Oh, well, it's been a complete pleasure. Thank you.
Yes, it's been most delightful. Thank you. So last month, we mentioned that we wanted to add something new to our podcast. As you know, we have Canopy as one of our services. A fantastic collection of films that you can watch with your Kirkwood Public Library card. The film that Ryan and I decided to watch and review is I Am Big Bird. The Carol Spinney story. I quite enjoyed it. Well, a lot of the things I had already known about Carol Spinney's life. But I learned so much more. And I think some of the fascinating things that I learned about the man who who was Big Bird was basically the logistics on how to puppet Big Bird. I kind of always knew that it would have to be like would take a level of, of deft puppetry that that Carol always had his hand above his head and that the whole like Big Bird head rig was about five pounds. And so could you imagine like an eight hour plus workday where you constantly got holding five pounds above your head and not only just holding but manipulating a device to uh in time to move and you know speak act and oh act. my god i was blown away by that too completely I and as the uh as the gentleman got older and older i was like i don't think i would have been able to do it as a young man and not only that he's wearing a giant suit where he's got his script pasted in there and that his only view of the outside world is a little monitor rig they have on his chest which will show what him what the camera sees so it would be reverse of what you're doing. So everything that he was doing, essentially, he'd have to do in reverse. I am not coordinated to do it in the right direction, let alone doing it in reverse. <laughs> that I was impressed by the level of skill that that would be required. And just the puppeteering of the head, because the head was working the mouth with his hand, and then his pinky finger worked the eyebrows. Uh, yep. And I was blown away. Um, and then he had one hand to work the hand, and they were connected to each other. So, yeah, the whole puppeteering is, it gave me a whole level, new level of respect for a puppeteering. He, they, they point out in the film that he is kind of his own thing, where most of the other puppeteers on in Sesame Street were, would work together. They were all kind of together and could take each other's cues from one another. And then Carol was off, you know, because he was basically locked in Big Bird. Yeah, yeah. And so I found that fascinating. The other thing I actually didn't know was he was Oscar the Grouch, too. That I did know. And the one thing that didn't bring up that I thought would have been interesting was to point out how, like, I was curious because I would think that Oscar would be kind of like a vacation. Like, don't get me wrong, I love both Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. But, like, watching him puppet Big Bird watch versus watching him puppet Oscar, I would have to say, and Oscar would have to be a vacation. Yes, definitely <laughs> physically less demanding, exactly. for sure. But I loved how he came up with the voices, and they're two different voices. That that was the other thing. I was just blown away by the voices. Mm -hmm. And for someone who's done um, audiobook narration, mm -hmm. being able to do voices is difficult enough on its own. But then acting and also movement of the puppets, I was completely blown away by his talent level. So do you have a big bird impersonating? I do not. Oh, <laughs> well, I tried, folks. <laughs> I do not. I probably should have come up with something, but no, I do not. Um, but I will say this, the story. So when I got to the, I came to the U.S. as a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. And so Sesame Street was one of the first things that I was watching, and it's how I learned to speak English. So in case you haven't noticed, English is not my first language. And I wouldn't ever know, because I would have to say you speak it better than I. All due to Sesame Street. <laughs> I'd never marginalize the children's television workshop that is influential 
on pretty much everyone growing up. I learned considerable amount of things through mm -hmm. through that. I learned to count with, you know. The count. The count and mm -hmm. cookies with Cookie Monster, though I don't know <laughs> if he's still Cookie Monster anymore. I think he's still Cookie Monster, but I think he eats more responsibly. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and it's about time. He's getting up there in age. Yes. Anyway, we highly recommend this documentary, and you get to watch it for free on Canopy. Yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much interest. There's so many other interesting things to learn about. It was fantastic. We highly recommend you download it today and check it out. So it's time for our favorite part of the podcast, the part where we get to talk about books and movies that we're reading that we love right now. And since March is Women's History Month, we're going to talk about women authors and some interesting women protagonists. Yes. And women directors for movies. Indeed. I have three recommendations. My first one is going to be a film. Uh, it's called Breadwinner. It is a beautifully animated film about an 11-year-old girl who lives under Taliban rule in Afghanistan back in 2001. Uh, her father gets wrongfully accused of a crime. She begins dressing up like a boy to help out with the finances of the family. It's directed by Nora Toomey and based on a book by Deborah Ellis. And it's it's a really gorgeous movie, and I, I highly recommend it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I have mentioned this lady before, but my one of my favorite uh, women authors is Maya Angelou. And her book, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, is one that I constantly refer to and tell people about and, and suggest that they read it. Because it's just an amazing book. It is a powerful book. It is. And she has some poetry that she's written that's also good. Um, one of my favorite poems that she's written is called Phenomenal Woman. And it's all about women and how um, she just talks about women and how amazing they are. And that is another one that I often will print out and send off to my friends when they're having a rough day and say, hey, look, you're a phenomenal woman. Read this poem. <laughs> For my next recommendation, I wanted to bring up something that I enjoyed growing up. Margaret Weiss is the author of, well, so many books of uh, fantasy, but most notably the Dragonlance Chronicles. And if you like uh, things like Lord of the Rings and D&D, &D, well, then that book series is essentially for you. It is that, that type of fantasy of an epic quest, a group of different fantasy races banding together against something dark and awful. And, and it, is, it is a fun read. Uh, the first book is Dragons of the Autumn Twilight. Her frequent collaborator was Tracy Hickman. She has written many a different fantasy book. She's always an enjoyable read. And is also a hometown author. She was born in Independence, Missouri. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, when I always think of science fiction, one of the first authors that comes to mind is Anne McCaffrey mm -hmm. and the several series that she's written. Mm -hmm. And I think she's probably one of the, the first authors that's kind of got me hooked into science fiction. Yes. Well, I remember um, when I was growing up, most of my friends were just devouring these books. And it took me longer to get into them when I got there. They're quite good, and I would recommend it if you have anyone in your life who's saying, I've read Lord of the Rings, but what, I've read The Hobbit, what's next? Well, this is a very good very good place to start, and there's no shortage of Dragonlance titles. They'll be busy for years. So. And who doesn't love dragons? They're the best. Exactly. So staying on theme, then, I'm going to have to talk about J.K. Rowling. I know I brought her up before another podcast and how much I love Harry Potter. Well, when I couldn't it comes, resist. certainly. And when it comes to women authors, you couldn't get a bigger juggernaut than J.K. Yes. I mean, come on. She wrote these books and the world is amazing. We're all 
at least the fans are very obsessed with it. Well, I feel like at this point, well, I feel like ages ago, not this point, that uh, the the world of Harry Potter is basically the a cornerstone of fantasy for pretty much. Oh, well, I was about to say America, but like everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, it is. It it's is worldwide. Exactly, it's a part of our like heritage at this point. Like I would say, like like Star Wars, you know, like it is ingrained in our pop culture. Yeah, it is, and she's English, not American. <laughs> I know. I realize where I went with that. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, that's my uh, my fantasy recommendation. Well, I'm gonna keep that fantasy ball rolling. My third recommendation has a huge asterisk next to it for Women's History Month. I just basically wanted to point out one of my favorite female protagonists in story. Uh, it is uh, Violet Blackforge. She is one of the main characters in the series The Rat Queens uh, by Image Comics. The Rat Queens is a fun book, but it's definitely for adults only. Starts is about four women of an adventuring company who gets into crazy adventures. It's it's a comedy. Uh, they're raucous and they. I think one of the most rarest of things to find in a fantasy book is a positive female dwarf lead character, which is why Violet Blackforge from the book series Rat Queens is so amazing. Uh, she's funny, sensitive, and kicks just a ton of butt. It's for these reasons and more that I was dismayed that she was that she currently has been written out of the series with book number seven in kind of a, a sad way that is undeserving of such an interesting character. Um, so I would hardly recommend books one through six. I, she's an, she's a, just a neat character, and uh, I think it's the series going forward is going to be a lot sadder without her. Yeah, huh. I never thought about it that way. I didn't. You're right though, but there aren't female dwarfs that are uh, the characters that are portrayed as well, main characters. I should say rather. Right. I think there's. I think when it comes to a lot of different fantasy races, it can be somewhat frustrating. I have read fantasy books. In like a positive female role, they generally end up being the spell spellcaster mm-hmm. and or an elf, and right. it's kind of one of those things where it feels like they had been re- relegated in that fashion for like sex appeal, mm-hmm. and so it's so anytime a character shows up in fantasy that is like outside of the norm of what you would expect, I instantly try to gravitate towards them because. I love a misfit. I love an underdog. And if it's something rare, then I think that should be celebrated versus, okay, I've seen this tale a thousand times before. Mm-hmm. And I think she was one of those, let's just say unicorns out there. <laughs> something that is rare and neat, you know? Yes. It does not happen enough. Yeah, good point. All right, so I'm going to shift gears here a little bit and talk about Michelle Obama's uh, book, Becoming. I thought um, I've just started reading that for a book club, and so far I think it's been amazing. And you get to learn a lot about her and her, you know, life growing up, and and then about the presidency and so forth. One of the other things is she actually narrated the audiobook version of the of her book becoming. She won the spoken word Grammy for it. So in case you haven't uh, had a chance to read it, or I would suggest picking up the audiobook because it's really really well done. Yeah, certainly. Uh, if you get a good narrator on an audiobook, <laughs> that makes all the difference. And yes, that is a, that one deserved the Grammy. If you have any suggestions for us or want to just leave a comment and let us know what you think of our recommendations, feel free. 
Well, exciting news, Kirkwood. Our guest today is Gabby Rivera, author of Juliet Takes a Breath, Marvel Comics America, and BB Free from Boom Studios. Gabby, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to talk with us. Oh my gosh, Ryan, I'm so excited to be talking with you and KPL. Oh, you're excited, we're excited. You're one of my favorites. <laughs> That's so cool. Awesome. So uh, so we've got some interview questions for you, so I'm just going to jump right in. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, Juliet Takes a Breath, which is definitely equal parts humorous and breathtaking. Uh, your debut novel, Juliet Takes a Breath, is the coming-of-age tale of a young woman on the eve of an out-of-town summer internship comes out to her parents. Uh, it's a wonderful tale filled with LGBTQIA issues, racial issues, identity issues, and so much more. Would you please share your inspiration behind Juliet and her story? Oh my gosh, I will. What a what a lovely introduction to the book, too, Ryan. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> With Juliet <laughs> takes a breath. I just one, I wanted to share my story, right, and how I have navigated like my queerness, my being Puerto Rican and from the Bronx, right. Like I wanted to share what my family was like, how goofy and lovely my brother was, what I felt about feminism and queerness and the need for QTPOC spaces, you know, like, I just wanted to share some of that. And with Julia also, she's in love with a book. And I, I wanted to like offer that as a, a way to view like young Latinas that we are also capable of being like nerdy and goofy and awkward and into books and, you know, like, expands upon that narrative, you know? And I wanted it to be fun. I wanted people to be able to pick up this book and laugh and, like, not feel so stressed out if they don't have it all together. You know what I mean? I mean, which of us does, certainly. Yeah, so when I started, um, when I opened the preface and started reading that, I started cracking up. Um, I love the term uh, round and brown, and um, I'm like, I identify with that, and I'm Indian, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. So, uh, for the next question, what uh, what is the best advice to young people who might be struggling with the exploration of their identities and their place in the world you could give? Oh, my gosh. It's kind of a big question. All, <laughs> right? Like, it's a big, important question. I think, ooh, I think sometimes it's cool to, like, just sift the language, too, right? Like, you're not, like... Yes, maybe it's a struggle, but you're also, like, blossoming, right? And you're also, like, forging yourself and, like, creating your own path. You are in. You are able to be whatever you want to be. <laughs> like, I, I literally used to doubt myself all the time. I spent most of my 20s just being, like, stuck in, like, survival mode, but also, like, self-hate mode. And I have come through it, right? I have come through it through so much uh in my life and I'm like no this is the point where I'm just like forget everything I told you (laughs) all that matters is how like you follow your own light and how you do what you want (laughs) you know with respect to community and like to support and other folks and to be compassionate and to move with love right like yes let it go right there's no other standard but you and how much you love yourself and how wild and free you want to be Absolutely. And I mean, I'm only just figuring that out and I'm in my 40s. So. I was about to say the same hey. thing. Yeah. Uh, I love being a librarian, but sometimes I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. 
librarians are the most radical folks too like everybody should like be a librarian or like rally with y'all because oh librarians know how to like show up for justice and the party you know (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) i agree we do (laughs) so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process and what advice would you share with aspiring novelists well, number one, finish your thing, your project, your essay, your book. Finish it. Just finish it. Just run with it all the way to the end. Do not stop to edit yourself. Do not stop. Yes, yes, <laughs> you know, good like, advice. You can share pieces with your friends. You can kind of act it out. You can read your work out loud as you go, but just keep get, get to that end. Mm-hmm. And if you start in pieces... There has to be a point where you just say, I'm pulling the pieces together and we're laying it down and we're just kind of like stopping and yeah. being satisfied. Yeah, I mean, because you just have to sort of... Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, you just, at some point you just got to stop too. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, of course. You definitely have to stop, but you also need to have like that finished body, right? So mm-hmm. that you can edit, so that you can have something to put out into the world. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, yeah, and one of the best, like, succinct pieces of advice I've ever gotten was remember that you are the writer, not the editor. Proofreader, you are ju- you are the writer. Don't do other people's jobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazingly good advice for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, wow, we really are trying to write the perfect sentence or like create perfect pieces before we even let the pieces breathe. Right. Just getting the idea out is important. So there's like a discipline in that. And then also there's a fun, a fun in it. That's why I'm in comics. That's why I'm in young adult fiction and who knows what other genre I want to write in. You know, I've done sci-fi. I'm just, I fly right. Like, mm-hmm. are you having fun with your writing? <laughs> are you like enjoying it? Is it like exciting for you? Because it should feel a, like, like even if it's stressful, even if you're worried about a million and one things, at the core of it should be like, yes, I am writing this thing. Ah, oh, it's it's fun. It's nerdy. It's got my interest. I, I wake up and I'm like, ooh, what about this? You know, like. Is that there? That needs to be there. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Uh, so saying your solo on Marvel's uh, Comics America is beloved would certainly be an understatement for myself. It is one of my favorites. So thank you so much again. Uh, f- speaking for myself, out of a powerful curiosity, had we been fortunate enough to see Volume 3, what might have been next for the superhero America Chavez and, and her friends? Oh my goodness. First of all, thank you for the compliment on America. Thank you for loving that series. I did my best. That was my first comic ever. And I just, I love the America volumes. Uh, and if we could do number three, here's what, um, there's another comic writer and just all around good dude, Edgar. He does a comic called La Borinquena and she's a Puerto Rican superhero. Um, <laughs> I, another that does like, Oh, I was yes. gonna, I'm sorry for interrupting you, Gabby. It was another recommendation that I made on this uh, on this very podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, re- good. 
we, uh, I was recommending Reconstruction. Uh, oh, yes. An amazing book. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I didn't oh, mean to interrupt you. Uh, but yes, yes, another great book. Definitely worth worth checking out. It's a wonderful read. And, and yes. it's just a cavalcade of amazing artists that came out for it. Definitely. And so him and I were talking, and he offered some mentorship. You know, he was like, you can also root America in something closer to home and closer to you. And so I think it would be in volume three, uh, we explored one of America's lineages and her other lineage I would love to do like in Puerto Rico and have her uh, come back and do research on the women that were like sterilized by the U.S. government. And maybe, like, that's how they formed <laughs> the original planet that she was from. You know what I mean? Um, oh, definitely. That would be, yeah, so that'd be extremely interesting. As, like, a protection. You know, like, I don't know. There was just so much. And I remember being like, wow. Yeah. Wow. No, that would like, be. Like, it, it could be massive, right? Like. <laughs> oh, yes. No, that would be, that would be a very thought-provoking and great read. So, Marvel, if you're out there, <laughs> do it. Yeah, do it. I mean, also, like, you know, with that first run, I just wanted it to feel, like, really wild and free, like, that you can run <laughs> as far as you want into the galaxy and, like, tell any story, absolutely any story, you know? Oh, certainly. Well, I mean, from, from one issue to the next, you were, you know... 1940s with uh, Peggy Carter and Captain America. And the next one we were visiting Storm and well, I guess what would have been the uh, the early 80s by the years they were coming out, but also an, another <laughs> another beloved time period in comic book history. Yes. Oh my gosh. You've got him started. He's uh, going to go on and on. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm sure your time is valuable. Okay, listen to me right a lot. But it was a great book, and I think you were the uh, 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 my words are failing me all of a sudden. Uh, Joe Quinones was just, I think, a perfect pairing on that. Uh, yes, that was an incredible artwork by Joe Quinones. Incredible covers at every turn. Uh, he is definitely, like, such a professional and so talented. Definitely. Definitely beautifully written, beautifully illustrated. It was it was one of my favorites. So, uh, yeah. So thank you for that. That was awesome. <laughs> thank uh, you so much. <laughs> But currently, uh, to keep talking about comic books, you're writing a series for Boom Studios called BB Free. Uh, could you tell us yes. a little bit about that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, BB Free is uh, set in 200 years in the future, post-apocalypse, post-climate change. It follows BB Free, a chubby little queer Puerto Rican babe on a mission, her Freedom 15 is happening. So that means that she's 15 and she gets to go off on any adventure she wants. And so she's there with her best friend, Trulita, and they have a radio show and they're documenting their Freedom 15. At the same time, BB Free just might have the powers of the universe bursting within her. So. <laughs> that sounds like a great <laughs> full read. Full of magic and full of fun and starts off in the Florida swamp. And and yeah, there's, there's, I'm, I'm very excited about this one too. Boom Studios have been putting out such good books lately, and or they've always been putting out such great books. And this one, uh, this one's a lot of fun too. 
<laughs> we're on our third issue, which is coming out, I think, March 11th. So that'll be a good time to go to the comic book shop and get some BB free. Definitely, definitely. Go to the comic shop. And uh, if for Kirkwood patrons also, you can also read the, right now the first issue and second issue of BB Free via your Hoopla app. So, yes. sure, yeah, read BB Free. Uh, I think you'll also find, uh, uh, last time I checked anyways, America's on there as well. But if it's not, well, I can guarantee you it, both volumes are here in the library as well as Juliet. So cool. <laughs> as well as Juliet Takes a Breath. Yeah, we have uh, the Hoopla app that is available, and there's a lot of different digital content on there, and Boom Studios really comes out uh, with that. And I've read the first two issues of BB Free uh, via that right now. Uh, I love that. That's super cool. Yay, Boom! (laughs) (laughs) So, just switching gears a little bit. So, recently in Missouri, there's been a surge in conversations about book banning. So could you elaborate on the importance of diversity or identities and viewpoints in story crafting? Yes. Um, man, book bar- book banning, that is so wild. I know, especially in 2020. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I can't believe we're having this conversation t- in 2020. Right, like what are people, people are so scared that you're going to like think for yourself. It's wild. And when it comes to like, diverse stories and and characters. I mean, one, you should always be reading something that is challenging and that, like, boosts your empathy. You should read memoirs. You should read about the lives people are living, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and when it, you know, diversity and and all that, like, the book choice should be read books by black authors, read books by trans authors, read books by people outside of your experience as, as often as you possibly can, like, just so that you can become a better human being, like <laughs> that's way to like learn my about. Big push, like strip away all the big words and the politics, right? And just read so that you can be a better person. Read so that you can understand what someone, not what they're what they're going through, maybe, but like so you can be open to the possibility of having that empathy of being connected with another per with another person, like. I, I certainly couldn't agree. I I certainly couldn't agree more. Oh, no, wait. I, how, what's the saying? I'm ruining it. Uh, no, no, no. The whole empathy point of view. It's that you know what you know, and you know you need to open yourself up to other uh, other miles, other walks that you haven't done. It's the only way that you're going to learn and experience and appreciate the different histories and the trials and the tribulations of what everyone goes through. Right, and and read with the understanding that, like, just because you read it doesn't mean that you are an expert. Read it with the respect of someone else's, like, culture and experience, not to try and take it or claim it, but to just have that understanding inside of you. You know what I mean? Like, Definitely. It's hard enough to get, like, stories told. People already dismiss you because you're, like, a woman, because you're queer, because... You're a person of color because of your disability. Like, there's so much. And when there's a book ban, it's like that's someone reinforcing the notion that certain ideas and identities are harmful. 
Yeah, that's true. Really well said. But one thing is when I was a teenager, I always loved reading the scandalous books. Like any book that like talked about gayness or like tarot cards or like whatever it was, right? Any book that felt radical, that was the book I wanted to read. So like, go ahead, ban the book. Watch how many more people read that book anyway. <laughs> That's a good point. That would probably um, certainly like... increase sales. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, lastly, we like to ask this of all our guests. What's your favorite book or the book that has ever had the biggest impact on you, Gabby? And or what should we be currently reading and recommending to our patrons? Well, everyone should definitely read The Stars and the Blackness Between Them um, by Janata Petrus. Like... That book is just poetry. It is queer black love personified. Like, it's gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) So, number one. Um, And then, you know, speaking of being banned, uh, Janine Cordova's memoir, When We Were Outlaws, is an incredible read, especially if you're trying to get some grounding in being like a queer Latinx human being, right? Like, she talks about what it was like being a Chicana lesbian in California in the 60s and 70s. And it just really helped me come to terms with myself. And so, yeah, that one. All right. Great. Thank you for those great recommendations. Cool. Thank you for asking. (laughs) I love talking books with people, you know, like. (laughs) Oh, we know. (laughs) Well, you can get us talking and we'll go on and on and on. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) How long do we all have? (laughs) Oh, my God, right? Right. But uh, well, we want to thank you for coming out and joining uh, us with uh, with your with your insight and your wits and your conversation today, Gabby. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you, Gabby. Uh, our guest today, Kirkwood, was author Gabby Rivera. Uh, you can check out Juliet Takes a Breath and America right here at the Public Library. Also, you can currently download the first two issues of BB Free on your Hoopla app. And these are also all available at your comic shops and where fine books are sold. Gabby, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Kirkwood, that was our March episode of the KPL podcast. It's such a fantastic episode. I'm still so excited. I'd like to thank Gabby Rivera for joining us uh, and Krista Van Herway for joining us. Uh, They were both such wonderful interviews. They made my march. Absolutely. And for next month, Canopy Review that we're doing, we're going to do Alternative Facts, The Lies of Executive Order 9066. So you're welcome to watch and then uh, leave some comments in the uh, comment section and join us for the review in a way. That sounds fun. I can't wait for April.